like to thank you for joining us for another episode of Looking to Jesus. My name is John Hines, preacher for the Church of Christ here in Norwalk. Norwalk? Ah, I'm not in Norwalk, Daniel. I'm in North Ridgeville. You're in Norwalk. I'm in Norwalk. What's your name again? My name is Daniel Sanders. I'm preacher for the Norwalk Church of Christ, not North Ridgeville. <laughs> yeah, thanks for, thank you for clarifying that. Appreciate it. Okay, so we are in, let's see, last week we talked about money, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. last week we talked about different money issues and this week we are ready for Matthew chapter 7 as we go through studying the Sermon on the Mount and this passage in Matthew chapter 7 if someone asked you you know what was the most well-known Bible verse you know a Bible verse that <coughs> frankly mm, even unbelievers good grief even atheists know well yeah. I, I you know the whole the whole thing that people say John three sixteen is the most well cited verse. I disagree with it. I think it's Matthew seven one. Yeah, I think John three sixteen shows up at the ball games. Yeah, occasionally, probably less so yeah. anymore. But Matthew seven one, cream of the crop with it. Yeah, yeah. That this is the verse everybody knows. So this is what we're going to talk about. Everybody uses. It. I wouldn't say they know. Yeah, everybody uses it. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. So Matthew chapter seven. Uh, what are we going to look at this week? Down through verse 6? That, that's what I'm thinking. All right. You want to go ahead and read that for us? Sure. It says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what me- with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look... A plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under feet and turn and tear you in pieces. All right. So judge not that you be not judged. As we said, good grief, the world, the world quotes this verse um usually they take it out of context not usually almost 99 percent of the time they take it out of context and they like to throw it around whenever whenever someone tries to point out something that may be wrong instead and, of instead of saying you know for instance impolitely or, or crudely shut up they'll use this as a way of silencing yeah, uh, you know, trying trying to silence you, trying to just say, you know, you need to be quiet, to shut up, don't don't speak yeah. anymore. They're they're kind of using it as a um, <clears throat> as a proxy to say we should believe I'm okay, you're okay. Yeah, it's like you do your thing, don't judge me, and you let me do my own thing, and and we'll be good. Yeah, and um, needless to say, I would suggest that's not really the point of this verse. And I would it, it never is because you know Jesus even talked about that that meeting of the middle sort of thing when it came to sin you know the idea of compromise he spoke about it in in Revelation two and three uh, especially when we talk about the lukewarmness of of the church in Laodicea where you know you, Jesus said I wish you were cold or hot 
you know, one way or the other. Yeah. But if you decide to meet in the middle, what does he say? I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off there. Right. But I'm just sitting there thinking about this idea when it comes to sin, when it comes to judgment, you know, so many times there are things that we can be able to agree to disagree on. But when it comes, what people want to use with Matthew 7, 1 is even with the matters of sin, they want you to be able to, ju- don't judge me. I'm allowed to do whatever I want to do. While right. it's true, God will still judge us in the end. And there is a there is a, a use and a need for judgment as we're going to look here in the in this passage here. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would suggest though, and this is just my two cents. What what I hear sometimes brethren doing is they they run to a passage real quickly, and it's John chapter seven. Someone quotes Matthew seven, and they immediately say, "Well, what about John chapter seven? And where is it? Around verse twenty four, where." Once again, the Lord is talking about judgment, and he says, Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. And it seems like what brethren sometimes do is they they pit one verse against the other. Yeah, It's like, well, yeah, Matthew 7 says judge not, but John 7 says judge, so therefore it's okay to judge. It's like, well, that doesn't really help clarify what the Lord's talking about in Matthew 7. If you just look at verse 1, it doesn't offer any yeah. clarity at all. And it, it pulls John 7, the passage, completely out of context. And um, frankly, it's not really conducive to to good teaching, frankly, and to teaching on the subject of judgment. I think the John 7 passage does show, apparently at some point, it is okay to judge. Yeah. I mean, on a very basic level. Yeah. Well, uh, so, so maybe yeah. it it does clarify that. But I, to go back to the Matthew passage, you can tell the Lord He is definitively saying something. Judge not that ye be not judged. He is saying something definitively, and I will say, there are certain things and certain times where it is absolutely prohibited to judge. And there, there are circumstances where you better not judge, and we're gonna we're gonna consider some of those as we go along, because it, it frankly, it, it does it says what it says: judge not that ye be not judged. Now, the people who say, you know, so does this mean all I have to do to not be judged myself is to not judge others? It's like uh, no, you don't get to say, oh well. You know, it's only God who judges. Jesus is not saying, if you will not judge anybody else, God will not judge you. That's not what the Lord said. That's not, yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, we must all give an account of the things done in the body before you jump. The you judge. jump. You jump a, a few verses down in the Matthew in, from Matthew seven into verse twenty-one to twenty-three. That lays out judgment's going to happen. Yeah. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he right. who does the will of my Father in heaven. So the idea, you know, this, this the idea that you were also throwing out there, you know, if I don't judge and God won't judge me, that's not the case. Jesus is saying judgment will happen. You're right. going to be judged according to who does the will of the Father. And verse 23 kind of offers the uh, the verdict, I could say, on, on, on the judgment. For those that don't do the Father's will, I never knew you. Department from me, you practice laws. And so there is... Yeah. There is, as we look at this, the idea of judgment is still laid out. God is going to judge, right. and we are to be imitators of God through Christ as dear children. And so we see that there's a need 
for judgment, but we're going to explain it more. Yeah. So, so let's begin by defining this word judge. And it shows up a multitude of times in Scripture. So what we're going to do, I want to begin just by looking at Thayer's definition of this word. Okay. And Thayer gives several different definitions. And, and, you know, when you look at Thayer's or Strong's, what you have to do, they give different definitions. And then what you have to do is look at the context of the verse to see how the word is being used. And in doing that, we might see what the Lord is really dealing with. So this is Thayer's definition for this word, judge. Definition one, to separate, to put asunder, to to choose. Definition number two, to approve, esteem, or prefer. Definition number three, to be of opinion, deem, think, or um, again, to be of opinion. Definition number four, to determine, to resolve, or to decree. And then it gets more into pronouncing opinions concerning right and wrong, things along those lines. Um, but that's that's Thayer's definition. So now you look at the context. And again, this is early on in the Lord's ministry. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And then you get into the speck and the beam. This whole context, he's talking about helping one another, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the context. Helping each other unhypocritically. That if you look at a speck in your brother's eye, he, he does not say remove the beam from your own eye so you can see clearly so that you can neglect your brother and his problem. No, he says pull the beam out of your eyes so you can see clearly so you can help the brother with the speck in his eye. The whole passage is about helping one another. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to help each other to be saved. We're trying to help each other to follow the Lord. That's the whole point. We're trying to save sinners. And sometimes we find ourselves caught up in sin, and we better clean off our own porch before we worry about someone else's porch. Yeah, That's the point. That's the context of the whole passage. That, that's the context. So when we when we look at judge not that you be not judged, in my notes, I, I ask a question. What can it not mean? What can it not mean? See if I can read my own, see if I can read my own notes. Is it remotely possible that it can mean we are not allowed to judge something as sinful? Is there any way it can mean that? that we cannot judge something to be sinful. I don't see how that's even remotely possible. To not that what Jesus is saying is you don't get to call sin sin. <laughs> I, it's not possible. That cannot be what he's saying. It cannot mean that. That's number 1. So basically uh, uh, understanding it the idea of God has already called what sin is. Yeah. It's, it's not it's not our our case to be able to add to that, so to speak, right, 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 to make our own yeah. our own conclusion of what sin is versus what sin is not, right? Okay, it cannot mean that we cannot recognize sin in someone else's life. And I want to read a, a couple passages. Come over to First Corinthians chapter five. You know, because people will say, "Oh, well, well, it's God's job to judge sin, and it's not my job remotely." And God will just have to deal with that. Well, 1 Corinthians 5, 
teaches a, a certain um, subject, and if you're not familiar with 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it's dealing with church discipline. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, at the end of the chapter, it says, oh, let's see, verse 9, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners on and on. Verse 11, but now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not to even eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging those also who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside, but those who are outside God judges? Therefore put away from yourselves the evil person. Down in, in chapter 6, talking about suing the brethren says, verse 2, Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by us, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? That word there in verse 2, it's the same word as Matthew 7. It's the exact same Greek word. It's the same word there in Matthew chapter 5 about judging those who are inside. Those who are outside, the context of Matthew 5, we the church has no authority frankly to withdraw from someone who's not a member of the church <laughs> someone who's not a christian that doesn't even make any sense frankly in a certain sense and so you have someone in 1 Corinthians 5 a member of the church and they were commanded to judge that person that's what they were commanded to do they were commanded to recognize the sin in his life Paul, earlier in the chapter, he says, For I indeed, verse 3, I indeed as absent in body but present in spirit have already judged as though I were present. Was it wrong for Paul to judge that man? No. Was it wrong for the Corinthians to judge that man? No, what was wrong was they were not judging that man. Yeah. They were not recognizing the sin. They were not recognizing the sin in his life. And so they are commanded to, to judge him, or actually they're commanded to withdraw themselves from him because outsiders God judges, that we are commanded to judge those who are inside. So back to Matthew 7, he cannot, based on those passages in 1 Corinthians, he cannot be saying it's wrong, it's absolutely wrong to judge sin. He cannot be saying it's absolutely wrong to recognize sin in someone else's life, and he cannot be saying it's wrong to separate ourselves from sinners because the tail end of the Matthew 7 passage is you don't give what's holy to the dogs and you don't cast your pearls before swine. <laughs> and it's like we're talking about people. We're not really talking about pigs and dogs there. Yeah, We're talking about people. And when he says in verse 15, beware of false prophets, it's like, He's saying, do not, don't give what's holy to them. And I think what's holy, by the way, in the context is judgment. <laughs> and it's like, it, it does no good to cast your pearls before swine. It doesn't do any good. So he cannot be saying it's wrong to separate ourselves from, from sin and even sinners. Come out from among them and be separate. That word separate? It's the same thing we're talking about. It's one of the definitions for judgment. I think what he's talking about, and I'll, I'll get your take on this, Daniel, 
And I know, I know the typical explanation of this passage, and I'm not saying I'm, oh, not, not looking for new revelation or anything like that. But, you know, one of the issues that comes up repeatedly is you have a spirit of condemnation. And that I wonder if what he's saying is not, you know, like he says in other places, I did not come to condemn, I came to save. And that it is not our place to say, and we'll just use each other. I'll use you as an example. Okay. It's not my place to say, Daniel, go to hell. It's like, that is not my place. <clears throat> right. It is not my place to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, go to hell. That is not my place to say. I wonder if that's not more the issue here. The judge not that you be not judged is that eternal condemnation. Um, Could be. What are your thoughts on that? I, I understand the, the overall idea he's speaking about hypocrisy. Don't be hypocritical. Yeah. And we'll talk more about that here in a second. Right. I think that, yeah, I think that there, there's a there's a valid point of needing to uh, focus on the salvation of everything. I think, you know, you're bringing out some thoughts there of, you know, for instance, in Romans chapter 12, my responsibility is to uh, not to uh, create more turmoil or, or create more separation or violence. God's going to have, my, my point is not to be vengeful. And sometimes when we look at judgment, it gets into a point of where it seems like it's vengeful. Right. And like what you were saying, you know, me being a well, you're going to go to hell. You're not, you, you know, that's not my point. God's right. going to have the final say with everything. Right. And that Romans 12 passage also kind of reiterates that, you know, don't focus on that stuff. God will have vengeful. You go and do right. your work as a Christian. You know, does that mean that we're to offer judgment on different things? Yes. But using, as, as we're looking at, we looked at the John 7 passage, it says right. righteous judgment. Right. You're looking there in 1 Corinthians 5, it's talking about righteous judgment as well there. Right. About watching what you do, watching about your association with things, and also being able to say, okay, God has already set the standard of what sin is. Now it's up to us to be able to uphold that, to measure ourselves as we're looking at this, to measure ourselves to that measuring stick. I I, I have in my notes as well from Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, all scripture right. is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. And the next one, reproof. Yeah. Reproof. You know, you talk about that. Talk about that. We don't use that word too often in a regular right. dictionary, but that's a standard. Yeah, that's telling that's, someone it's wrong. That that here, <laughs> it's like that's here's what what's it is. wrong. It's being able to say, it's being able to go and say, well, here's what's wrong and right. If yeah. you do this, this is wrong. How do we know that? You reprove yourself. You look to the standard of everything, right. and so then as well, we look at that. The correction that we need to make, instruction and in righteous God's word does those things for us. Right. It offers insight and judgment, and also offers us the ability to know the ways of God, to know what He is desiring from us, and knowing what sin is, knowing the dangers of sin, but also being able to help others not be in sin, to be able to help them get out of that pit of sin, to focus, as you were talking about, on salvation right. for one another. Does that require a form of judgment? Yes, but not in the what the typical sense would be. Yeah, not in the sense of we, we are not the magistrate. Yes. It's like we are not the judge. Right. We have we have the words that will judge. Yes. And so as we hold up the truth, you know, that passage in Timothy, um, 
someone I know, they've always referred to that. You look at those four things, doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. And like I said, that reproof, we don't use very often, that word. Yeah. But you look at what those four words mean, like Bible tells you what is right. The Bible tells you what is not right. The Bible tells you how to get right. Correction. And the Bible tells you how to stay right. Yeah. Instruction and righteousness. Yeah. The it's maintenance like, of everything. It's like, that's what it is. Yes. And then people come to us and they say, oh, well, that's not our job to rebuke. It's like, what? What? No. It's like, no, this is that passage in 1 Corinthians 5, that church discipline. A church has to do that. The individuals of a church have to do that. That's showing. Um, actually, let me, let me, you're about to say something. Go ahead while I so, look up a passage. So 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 kind of concludes that chapter. And you get into chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. And what does he say? He says, you got to preach the word. And what does he say? In all this, you're going to convince, rebuke, Right. Exhort with all long suffering and teaching. What, how are you going to do that? Using God's word. Yeah. So you're going to be able as a, as a, as a preacher, you're going to be able to do these things. But you're upholding God's word, not establishing your own judgment with right. everything. You know that that's where, for instance, um, Samuel. I'm going to use Samuel for a moment. When. He's over there. He's trying to explain to people, trying to exer- exercise that judgment in his time, uh, you know, there with Israel. And, you know, here's some of the times where Israel's just not listening to them. And, you know, God's telling Samuel, and it's not just the same. We see it in other accounts where they're mad at me, not you. Yeah. Because you're upholding right. my word, you're upholding my statutes, my judgments. They're not mad at you. They're mad at me. So again, there's that mentality of, yes, we are to exercise those things, but it's God's word, God's standards, God's statutes, God's judgment, exercising those things. When, when, you know, when people come along and they say, well, it's not our place to judge. They're actually saying more about themselves than anything, because what they're showing is they are not prepared to judge. And to your point, you know, about Timothy, it's like, this is what preachers need to have. It's like, this is in that passage, by the way, in Timothy, it is not just for preachers. It says that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped unto every good work, but preachers and teachers better have good judgment. He goes on on to talk specifically to Timothy and his role. Yeah, preach the word, be ready in season and out. I was thinking of the Hebrews 5 passage, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, right? And they're being rebuked. Um, They, once again, they need someone to teach them again the first principles of the oracles of God and have come to need milk and not solid food. Um, Solid food belongs to those who are full age. That is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern. There's the word to discern between good and evil. And that's not just applying it to ourselves. That's trying to help others. Again, pull the beam out of your own eye so that you can see clearly to help your brother with the speck that is in his eye. And for people to come along and say, oh, no, that's it's not our place to judge. We're talking about the ability to discern between good and evil and recognize good and evil. Jesus cannot, cannot be saying it's wrong to recognize sin in our own lives and in others. I'm going to piggyback off of off your there in Hebrews 5 because I had 2 Timothy 2:15 to be diligent to present yourself approved yeah. to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, 
rightly right. dividing the word of truth. Yep, there's absolutely. Our fo- there's our focus with everything of being able to go taking the milk, being able to work towards stronger, stronger foods, but being able to be diligent to be approved to God through the word. Yep. What, what the Lord, I think, again, you look at the nature of, of Jesus and and how the Matthew 7 passage, we're talking about trying to help trying to help others if they if they hopefully will be receptive to the help not everybody is receptive to the help that's why you don't give what's holy to the dogs that's the point of that not everybody not everybody wants wants help not everybody wants to turn from their sins um, a lot of people just like to keep on sinning yeah <laughs> and so at some point you got to shake the dust off your feet you got to move on stop beating your head against the wall um, wasting the time rather than doing that, redeem the time. But to look at the nature of, of the Lord, this is Luke chapter 9. In Luke 9, at verse 56, and what this is, this is when James and John, there's a Samaritan village, and they are not as receptive to Jesus as James and John think they should be. And why they're not receptive, that's for another lesson, but anyway... They say, do you want us to call down fire like Elijah did and just wipe them out? And Jesus says, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of, verse 56, for the Son of Man did not come to con- to destroy men's lives, but to save them. They went to another village. That's Jesus. It's like, that's Jesus. It's like, if he wanted to condemn people, he just wouldn't have gone to the cross. <laughs> and everybody would have gotten exactly what they deserved. Yeah. That's not why he came. He came to save sinners. Now, does that mean everyone's going to be saved? No, but everybody can be saved. But this is the nature of Jesus. What he's speaking about in the Matthew 7 passages, that frankly, we always need to remember that. That it's not our place to say, go to hell. It's not our place to condemn eternally. Mm-hmm. He's not talking about, he, he simply, he, you know, we've talked about what he, it cannot be that we don't recognize sin in our own lives and in other people's lives. He's saying, yes, other people sin. Try to help them. Yeah. <laughs> Look at yourself first and then try to help them. Earlier, actually, in Luke 6, you kind of have the parallel to the Matthew passage. This is Luke 6 at verse 37. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. It all goes hand in hand there. And we've spoken about the forgiveness aspect before. In another place, Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. He's not contradicting himself. He's, he's simply not contradicting himself. No, he's not. And he's not a he's he doesn't have multiple personalities. He's not saying different things. He's teaching on all these subjects. But you have to look at those things to understand the Matthew seven passage cannot be Daniel. How dare you say someone was wrong? It's like good grief. There's a reason they killed Jesus. Yeah, he said people were wrong. John the Baptist said people were wrong. The disciples said people are wrong. And it's yeah. like, it is okay to say this is wrong. It cannot mean that. And that what it's talking about is the Lord's goal, 
not to condemn, but to save the woman caught in adultery when everyone leaves. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. That's not saying, oh, go ahead and sin. Yeah. Because the next thing he says is go ahead and sin no more. Exactly. The point is he didn't come to condemn. <laughs> he did not come. He did not come to do that. And there's umpteen bajillion passage we could look at other than the ones we already have looked at now i will say there are certain things and there are certain things in certain situations where we absolutely should not judge and i turned away from romans where you were but i want to look back at romans um one of the places let's look in romans chapter two because i think this is this is matthew romans chapter two is matthew seven romans chapter two verse one and if you're not familiar with Romans, Romans chapter 1 is about how the Gentiles need the Messiah. Romans chapter 2 gets into the Jews need the Messiah. In Romans 2 verse 1, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself, for you who judge practice the same things. And that's what he's dealing with in Matthew 7. It's like, you hypocrite. <laughs> he's not saying two wrongs make a right. Right. And he's not saying ignore each other's sins. He's saying don't be hypocritical with your judgment. And that's why I say there are situations where we better not. I should say there are situations where we better not judge others. And one of those situations is when we ourselves are doing the same thing. Exactly. We better not judge the other person. They may be wrong. They do have a speck in their eye. (laughs) Yeah. But I need to I need to pull the the bigger picture is. You should be looking at yourself first before you ever consider anyone else. Before right. I sit there and considered what you were doing that may have been sinful, John, is that I need to look at myself. Yeah, you know it's it's uh, you know the 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 bigger thing the bigger thing is is you know Jesus talking about the the beam that should be the the most obvious thing is yourself first. You're not going to be able to see to help the other person. Yeah, like that. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're going to have a little bit of an impediment there. Yeah. It's like, no, you pull the beam out so you can see clearly so that you can help the brother. And and that's hypocritical judgment. That's A. It's like that is absolutely off the table, off the table. Now, it's not all judgment. It's like, no, you better pull that beam out of your eye. You better judge yourself. That's 1 Corinthians 11, where when Paul's talking about the, the Lord's Supper and he says, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be condemned with the world. It's like, okay, we need to pull, we need to pull the beam out. So that's one situation. It's like, okay, hypocritical judgment, better not. You better not. Romans um, chapter 14 now. Romans 14 and talking about liberties. This is Romans 14. You know, it starts the whole chapter. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. One believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. You don't judge in matters of liberty. Yeah. You just don't. (laughs) That's another one of those places. That's not in view in Matthew chapter 7, by the way. It's just another instance where you do not bind what God has not bound, and you do not loose what God has not loosed. 
It's like, no, we're back to the standard now. Yeah. But even with, even with the standard in hand, there are liberties and we have to recognize those liberties and you start judging liberties and you have overstepped. Yeah. And then you need to be called down. Yeah. You overstep, you're sitting there, you're creating disputes over liberties and that is causing each other to, to give into temptation, to lead into sinful behaviors, whether it's anger, you know, not righteous anger, but leading into anger, to contention, disputes. I mean, verse 16, therefore do not let your good be spoken of as evil. Yeah. And that's exactly what you're talking about. You start binding what God has not bound and people get real mad real quick and they say, wait a minute, where's that? <laughs> and you say, oh, well, this is just what I think. Oh, well, good grief. We all got opinions. Which gets back to the whole point of searching the scriptures to make sure that right. what you're teaching or speaking is accurate and true and being able to go to God's word as the source of all things. Can you be able to say, okay, this, you know, is there something that's mentioned of this, uh, of whatever liberty it may be? No. Well, then it's a liberty. Yeah. It does not condemn. If it's not a, cond- a condemnable offense for these liberties, then we need to huh, let it go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Verse 19, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. That is Matthew 7. Pursue the things that make for peace and help one another. That's that's what we're dealing with. And so hypocritical judgment, Mm-mm. nope, especially that. Judging liberties, nope, you don't get to do that either. And then James chapter 4, James has a good bit to say about judgment. James chapter 4, verse 11 do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? And I think that's where we get into the condemnation, where you get into the type, you're not God. <laughs> you know, when Paul talks about judging, he actually says, and I'd have to I'd have to look for it, where he says, Basically, it, it was no big deal if they judged him. And he's like, that's fine. You can judge me. <laughs> he's like, I don't care. You're not God. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, he's the justifier. Right. And so it's like, okay, if you don't like Paul, you don't agree with what he said. It's like, okay, that's that's on you. But he's like, guess what? You're not the Lord. Right. You're not the Lord. Exactly. And I think that's what James is dealing with, with here. It's like. You know, sort of the same, one of the themes of James, you know, one says they have faith, one says they have works. One per, you know, and here you have this picture of if you judge the law, you're not a doer. You're, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. And what James is saying is you need to get busy doing. Yeah. <laughs> Overall. And rather than sitting in that place of the magistrate, the, and that's the thing, you know, sometimes sometimes elders and elders are in a position of authority you know they they do have oversight yeah but sometimes they need to be reminded to not lord it over the flock right and they are not the chief shepherd they are not the lawgiver they yes they do have a measure of authority but they are not the lawgiver (laughs) and sometimes elders need to be reminded of that as well but this is another way of another judgment, and, and like your Romans passage, vengeance is the Lord's. That is not our place. It's not our place it, because it is, that, ex- that executes judgment, yeah. uh, so to speak. You know, God that, uses... That final judgment. Yeah, especially. God uses his uh, uh, 
government officials. You know, we talked about that. And, you know, we could talk about that in Romans as well about he uses those different people to exercise judgment, to execute judgment and vengeance over time with everything. I mean, there are so many different things that God uses to be able to exercise his judgment, whether it's not, you know, his oversight of the elders being able to. Make sure that they're doing their part of overseeing God's work. With if everything. all judging is wrong, you just created anarchy in the world. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, frankly, because like you said, you know that that Romans is it Romans thirteen or fourteen that talks about the government? Uh, Romans, uh, I think it's Romans thirteen because we were just looking at Romans fourteen. Okay. They do not bear the sword in vain. Yeah, they are meant to punish wrongdoers. If Matthew seven is all judging is wrong. Well, that means all judging is wrong. Then there, if you're going to take that view, then, then we find then we find a contradiction basically there. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to trying to create a whole bunch of another open up another can of worms, but that'd yeah. be a contradiction there. Yeah, if if all judging is wrong, then God cannot use those ministers right. to be able to exercise judgment. That's not the case. That's not what it is. It is to be able to execute righteous judgment, and in this case, He's using them to be able to. There's still law and order with everything. You are not mm-hmm. in a complete case of anarchy with everything. God has set in order those to be able to work and be able to also execute his will at times as well. Daniel, you know I kind of have a twisted sense of humor, right? Okay, yes. Well, you, Okay, so you know, you've heard, I've heard, everyone's heard people are like, thou shalt not judge. You know, in the Old Testament, before, you know, God's design was there, was, there were not supposed to be kings. You know, when they get into the promised land, and, uh, you know, you have Moses, Moses dies, Joshua. What What's that next book called after Joshua? Uh, judges. Uh, wait, oh, 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 and oh, that wait. was, that was God's plan. Bef- you know, that was the plan for, yeah. for them. Right. He did not want them to be like the other nations. Give us a king to be like everybody else. We want to be like everybody else. Exactly. He wanted them to have judges. And I just think it's somewhat, I don't know if irony is the right word. Probably not. But I just think it's kind of funny that people are like, oh, you're, you know, we don't, we're not supposed to, there's a book called Judges. Yeah. (laughs) And those individuals discerned between good and evil, and that's how God's people were delivered. And it's like, do you think while things have changed to an extent, we're under the new covenant, do we not still need good judgment? Do we still not need those who who discern between good and evil? Yeah. We still need them. It's like teachers, preachers, elders, that discernment, moms and dads teaching their children, bringing them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Moms and dads actually willing to tell their kids, hey, that's not right. That's wrong. (laughs) Now I'm going to tell you what you should do. That is right. Yeah. So that you don't make me pull my hair out. But anyway, (laughs) but people still look at the Matthew 7 and it's oh it's just wrong to judge and what what they're really doing is they just don't want to repent yeah and, and so let, let's look back at Matthew 7 I've kind of exhausted my notes but back in that passage again what he's dealing with is primarily hypocrisy but at some point you have to you, you know as you pull the beam out of your eye you see clearly to help with the speck in your brother's eye. Verse 6, Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Uh, I'll remind uh, our listeners, those who are outside God judges. And 
this picture of you don't give what's holy to the dogs. You know, if someone's an atheist, if someone's an atheist, granted, the word of God is that the gospel is God's power unto salvation. But if someone is going to deny scripture, if someone does not believe in scripture, that's blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Yeah. What hope do they have? What good does it do to preach God's word to someone who actively says, I don't believe God's word? That, that's... The word get uh, you know the word gets snatched away you know, we yeah yeah the, the parable of the snower and, and that's the only way by the way that's the only way you know in the context the dogs or the swine yeah how how do they react to God's word when Jesus sent the disciples out and he says if they don't receive you if they don't receive my words shake the dust off your feet move on why you you know you would think he would tell them duke it out <laughs> you know. Basically, keep keep preaching it until they get it. And bottom line is some people don't want to hear it. Yeah. And the Lord does not expect us to give what is holy. And I would suggest what is holy in the context, guess what? It's God's judgment. It's that discernment between good and evil. And if people don't, that right, that pearl, don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't give what's holy to the dogs. Well, what is it that's holy? It's God's word. It's God's word, and it's God's word that judges. And so, ooh, that's, you want to talk about um, those who are spiritually immature have a lot of trouble with this concept of withholding that which is holy. But that's what the Lord's talking about. It's like you don't give what's holy to the dogs. If people, if people show, if someone shows they have no use for God's word and they reject it and they want nothing to do with it, you're going to you're only going to hurt yourself by um how how could you put it it just just like the passage says lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces you're going to be the one who is you you may end up being hurt by this yeah you keep beating your head against the wall and um you're going to you might end up paying a price along with them i think about the uh Second Peter, two, there it talks about the false teaching and different things, and how you know those that have turned away from false teaching to obey God to fall back. Yeah, uh, uses strong language. Jesus uses strong language there. He says, "It's I wish you would have known. I wish you in that case, I wish you would have not known the word. I right. wish you had not known it to turn away from it." But it's true. That if you allow those things to continue to infiltrate your life, to continue to penetrate your heart, it is like the dog having uh, vomited, returning to it, and the sow, the yeah. pig, going back to the mire, going yeah. back and, and dirtying and being completely filthy after you've been made clean. It's like they, they've returned to it. What was special to you, You've given that back up and turned back to what was special. Turned away from what was special. They know what the world has to offer. They know what Jesus has to offer because they've come out of come out of the world and now they're returning to it. They're making their choice, and that's that's why it's outside God judges. Yeah, and that's why when someone leaves the church, leaves the church, leaves the Lord after knowing what the Lord teaches, 
the Lord's not going back to the cross again. Right. The Lord's not revealing another Bible. You know what you know what the Bible says. Now what you need to do is the only hope you have is if you will, like the prodigal son, come to your senses yeah. and come back. Yeah. That's the which, only hope you have. Which requires righteous judgment going to God's word. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Daniel, that's everything I had on the subject. Yeah. You got anything else in your notes? No. No, I was just kind of looking at it straightforward those those six verses there because I mean I know some people again, some people will take verse one and then just like highlight it and then scratch everything else out afterward. Right. And if you know, if that were the case, then yeah, we're not supposed to be offering judgment if that's what it says. But we see through insight, through the scriptures, we're to offer judgment. But we're not to just go and just offer judgment. We're to hold ourselves accountable. Yep. Hold others accountable to the same standard of everything. But before we try to help someone else, make sure that we ourselves are able to see clearly and we remove the sin, the temptation yep. through our own judgment on ourselves before we could try to ever do anything else. Because of that, you know, again, we see if we if we chose not to do that, if we choose to be able to try to judge others, uh, that's why we see the contention of turmoil because someone else would look, well, you're, you're, you're telling me not to steal. Yeah. But yet you're stealing. You're telling me not to lie, yet you're lying. How can you sit there and tell me to do something when you're involved with it first? And, and I will say, he, you know, it does get difficult because when someone pulls the beam out of their eye and they see clearly and to say, you have a speck in your eye, it'd be very easy to say, well, who do you think you are? You had a beam in your eye. It's like, I know I had a beam in my eye. Yeah. But I, I don't anymore. The Lord wants sinners to show discernment. The Lord wants sinners to have good judgment. The Lord came to save sinners, and he wants saved sinners to help save other sinners. Yeah. And sometimes the other sinners look at the saved sinners, and they say, well, yeah, but you guys were sinners. <laughs> it's like, yes, we were. It's like David in the Old Testament, you know, when he's forgiven. And he says, I will teach transgressors your ways. It's easy to say, well, David, who do you think you are? You slept with Bathsheba. Yes, he did. He was wrong. He recognized his sin and he turned from it. Yeah. And now he's trying to teach other people. And that's what we're trying to do. And we're not trying to do it proudly. We're not trying to do it condescendingly. We're trying to help, trying to help people like Jesus tried to, is trying to help people. I'd like to uh, use this kind of as a as like a closing thought with that. It's First Peter chapter three verse fifteen says, "Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for the a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear." Verse sixteen is uh, the critical part. I want to think about just for a moment. Having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Yes. Yeah. Have we done wrong before? Have we made mistakes? Have I made mistakes? Yes. Am I going to openly admit it? I should. But then I said, I was that. Right. What am I doing now? Have I have I made right of the situation? If I can say yes, if the, and others can be able to answer yes, then we see we're doing our part, and then it may help others. Okay, I can't sit there and hold this person accountable anymore because he's not doing what he's not committing that sin. He's not doing right. those evil those evil wrongdoing things anymore. My good conduct in Christ is now that light and that guide. Yep, very much so. Just made me think of Saul of Tarsus. 
There's a verse that talks about that very thing. The one who used to be persecuting the church is now preaching the one who yeah. he persecuted. Exactly. He changed. Appreciate it, Daniel. Appreciate everything as well. Yep. Hope this study has been beneficial for you. It's a verse that a lot of people, um, they'll pull out and they'll have questions about it. So hope this study has, has been helpful in dealing with that. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Um, tune in next week for another episode of Looking to Jesus. Thank you.